I'm Laurie Power, Director of Lifelong Faith Formation at Christ the Redeemer Parish. Welcome to Talking Saints. I'm here today with my co-host, Peter Sanchez, reporter for the Catholic Star Herald, and we'll be spending a few minutes talking about a particular saint and how his or her example can inspire us. Because as Pope Francis reminds us, to be saints is not a privilege for the few, but a vocation for everyone. Hey, Pete. Hey, Lori, you were so formal. I think normally you call me Pete, but you call me Peter oh, this did. time. Oh, really? Okay. It sounds like I'm in trouble. You're not in trouble. Okay. <laughs> only people call me Peter. My mom will call me Peter. and, and It's the like, name of, of the first pope. That's right. That's Go right. With it. Okay. Well, I should be. Pr- it. So basically, you just said instead of Pete, I've now pronounced you Peter. You were playing that Jesus role. Um, in no, the uh, in oh, the Sea right. of Galilee. Yeah, yeah, but your name wasn't Simon. So no, it wasn't. No, even though <laughs> even though Simon's a lovely name. Um, yes. But the uh, I we both talked about this saint is a challenge. Today's saint, August twenty third, is a bit of a challenge. I think we acknowledge. I like right? her. She's a yeah. Dominican. I can really okay. Of course, no, I I know that, but but um, she but did I, uh, perform some very severe penances that would be foreign to us. Yes, she does, Pete. but she's got a beautiful story, and Indeed. I think we all can relate in some way to her. It's a it's a challenge, but at the same time, I think there's something to be me, learned. There's what? There's something to to be learned exactly. From her life. Yes, exactly, and that's the thing with these. I think um. We've realized these saints in in a lot of ways. Uh, they they did you know it's all it's all for love of the Lord, right? Mm, and correct. so who, who's today's saint? Lord? Saint Rose of Lima. Why does that sound familiar? <laughs> is that is, what was that? There I'm, I'm is a parish back. that is named for her in our diocese. Pete. Oh yeah, that's where I met you. <laughs> that back is in, correct. Oh, yeah. <laughs> back many many moons that? ago. I don't that even was, remember, um, Pete. Woo. It was about 15 years ago, wow. I'm going to say, around there. I think When we were more. young adults. We were young adults, yeah. <laughs> um, now we're just, I don't, are we adults? Um, I hope so. <laughs> but the, um, I think, uh, yeah, that's where we met. I remember every Friday night at St. Rose of Lima. That's right, we would young meet adult for, ministry. Yes. The original yam. The original yam, yeah, we met there. And I think it was 7 o'clock Friday night, we started with Adoration of the Chapel. Mm-hmm. And then we had a, uh, a little Bible study right in the rectory there. And then we would always go to the Legacy Diner. That's I remember right. that. And or the club. The club diner, yeah, mm-hmm. or the Marlton Diner. See, that was a 24-hour diner. So, I mean, <laughs> Back we just, when they used to have them? Oh. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's hard to but find no, one these days. <laughs> but it's just nice to, uh, nice to feel like we're almost coming full circle here now. See, there you go. We're talking about St. Rose of Lima. And she was Le- the first person born in the Americas to be canonized a saint. So we have another first here. Yeah. I think that we had a first a few months ago, if not last month. Yes. Blessed too. Stanley Rother. Yeah. Yeah. So we, first that was American a martyr. Yeah. Here we go. So, and she was born in, uh, yeah, born in Peru and in, uh, in this, in the 17th century, uh, 16th century that carried over. So she was 16th and 17th, 17th century. Yes. And her father was from Puerto Rico. Uh, originally Spain, originally yes, Spain, via and then Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. and yes. then her mother was, we believe, an Incan descent. Correct, at least some part, yes. Okay, and she was the seventh of eleven children, so they had a large family, and she was given the name Isabel Flores de Olivia, but very early on was nicknamed Rose. Um, some say because of her beauty, others there's a legend that uh, a servant had a vision where her face actually turned into a rose. So she she 
pretty much had the name Rosa from birth. Um, but she formalized that when she was confirmed uh, in 1597, and she formally took the name Rose or Rosa, and was actually confirmed by the then Archbishop, who also would be later declared a saint. So mm-hmm. she's just surrounded by saints. Well, we'll talk yeah. about that. She had some saint friends, too. Yeah, she she, uh, she definitely, she grew up in a noble family, but she was more drawn to penitence uh, because her name Rose, because of her beauty. Um her family really wanted her to get married, it mm. sounded like. And, yes. But she didn't want any of that. Um, actually, she even tried to deter her, deter her suitors. And what she'd do, one of the things, she'd blister her skin, rubbing hot pepper mm. on her face. And also, she cropped her hair really short. And this caused a little friction between her family. But then when she turned 10 years old, um, she made a perpetual vow of virginity. I think her family... Well, no, I think this was before. Know. Yeah, not yet. They didn't. Yeah, they yet. didn't relent just yet. <laughs> no, but then at this point, when she took that vow, she also took Saint Catherine of Siena as her model. Yes, and, uh, and so uh, she started uh, fasting three times a week, was performing very severe penances in secret, which her family really didn't understand. Um, She would spend hours adoring the Blessed Sacrament, and she even received communion daily, which was an extremely rare practice at the time. Um, So, yes, as you said, Pete, from a very young age, she committed herself completely to Jesus. So it was problematic when (laughs) she started to grow up and attract suitors and her parents wanted her to marry. I mean, they wanted because that was the best way, I believe. Her family had fallen onto some difficult financial times, if I remember reading that. So the best way to provide for her, her father thought, was for her to marry well. But Mm -hmm. she obviously had already promised herself to Jesus. So she was not going along with that plan. And eventually it seems like he did relent. And it gave her her own space, like her own room to It looked like, yeah, in the, um, it sounds like it was a little hut in the family's garden. So it was a little... Like a hermitage. Yeah, she was with her family, but not with her family in a way. And where she had, you know, like you said, the severe austerity and asceticism. She, one of the things that uh, is stark to me, I think she slept like two hours a night. Right. She and slept she, very little because she wanted yeah, to pray. I mean, yeah. I try to get eight or seven. <laughs> I know, right? When I don't get when I don't get four, I'm upset, but she got two. And God <laughs> bless her. I mean but then the other thing that she wore was uh she had like a almost like a steel crown of thorns that she put on her head, but she concealed it with roses. Mm. I think that was probably to detract people from you know, may, maybe she didn't want people to see what i don't know what kind like, of penance she was doing yeah exactly or, may, and, or maybe even she didn't want criticism so she mm. thought okay people will get upset if i have this on so i'll make it you know but she i don't know there there there's uh there's there's you can see the beauty with the roses there you can see the beauty in that asceticism that she did however severe it might sound to us mm. for her it was normal and and i think she had uh she, I think around this time, too, she had visions. Right, Lori? Right. And I think that's partly, like, she was definitely consoled by Christ in yeah. extraordinary ways. So I think partly that was some of the fruit of her penances and her penitential practices. So that's why she continued them, <laughs> I think. I think if the yeah. Lord had said, stop this, she, I'm sure she would have. Um, but yeah, even at this time, so she was fasting quite a bit and then she stopped eating meat altogether, which was a very like extreme dietary restriction at that time. Um, people would have found that very strange, but she felt called to fast in that way as well. 
Um, she pretty much cloistered herself into that hermitage, that space that we talked about. But then she would go out, of course, to, to go to church, but also to help the sick and the poor in her community. She would actually bring those who were sick into her room, into her hermitage, yeah. and take care of them. So that's amazing <laughs> to me. Um, I imagine that's why she needed her own space. I, I don't know. I wonder how her family would have felt if they if she was bringing sick people into their home. I don't know. Yeah, that um, could be. That could have been yeah. a, another I, challenge, another point of friction. Could have been, but, but she also did help her family. You know, you mentioned about right. the poverty. Yes. So she uh, she was skilled in uh, in needles. She, she could do Needle well work, with that with yeah. lace, and she embroidery. sold lace and embroidery and the flowers. She yes. grew flowers right. in she her garden. Flowers. Yeah. Yes, she grew and flowers and sold them and... Yeah, and she not only her family, but to raise funds for the poor. Exactly, I think so. She helped both sides, and then she also was a warrior for the. Basically, what's happening in Peru was at this time, it was part of uh, Spain. So, what ended up happening was uh, Spain had a lot of, or Peru had a lot of uh, mineral resources that was very valuable, and what they would do is, is. Uh, these overlords would come in and they they'd uh, they'd take them and they take them for the kingdom for the Spanish kingdom mm. and not have you know you would think it would stay in Peru to help these individuals and it didn't and she was very outspoken against that um, and she uh, she protested against some of these practices mm. so she was um, she was a model in that regard too because not I mean she. I think it just goes to show you that, yes, she was insular and that she lived in this little hermitage and she practiced these penances, but she was so aware of the outside world. And I think that's a good thing of us, too. I mean, I think for me, at least, I I can sometimes, you know, the Lord says, you know, lock your door, pray or whatever. I forget that quote. But I think it's good at the same time to, yes, you need to be doing that, but be mindful of your neighbors. Mm, know uh, who to pray for. That's true. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so her good works attracted the attention of the friars of the Dominican order who were in Peru at that time. One of the many missionary orders that came to the new world. And she wanted to become a nun, wanted to become a Dominican nun, but her father forbade that. <laughs> so instead, she entered the third order of St. Dominic and continued living with her parents, basically, in her hermitage. And when she was 20, she was able to take the habit of a third order, a tertiary, and then at that point also took a a vow of perpetual virginity that was done publicly. Um, Yeah, so I think that gave her some solace that, okay, she's (laughs) now she is uh, publicly professed to Jesus and uh, associated with the Dominican order. So at that point, it seemed there's no chance that her family was going to try to marry her off after that. (laughs) So imagine she had some content after that. Um, She didn't live too much longer after that, though. She died very young. So for the next 11 years, um, she would, as you said, she had frequent visits, visions of Jesus, of the Blessed Mother, of the saints, and she would just converse with them and receive spiritual guidance from them. She would experience ecstasies um, and just interior spiritual favors from the Lord that others probably would not understand. Um, But she said, which is really interesting, one of the greatest gifts she received from her divine spouse was long periods of painful spiritual dryness. And you would think, why would she be happy (laughs) to receive periods of of spiritual dryness? But she found that after that, because she was faithful to him, 
um, she was more deeply united with Christ. So yeah. she, her, she said her soul was just flooded with the presence of Jesus and um, persevering through that spiritual dryness. It was worth to have that union with him. So maybe that's that, that can give us some insight. I think Pete, um, those penances, I guess, freed her from any attachments to worldly things, even to comfort and open her up to Christ. So we can see the, the reward that she received in that. It's Jesus himself. That's what she said near the end of her life. She said, Lord, increase my sufferings and with them increase thy love in my heart. Mm. So she... Uh, Apparently gosh. because of this, these mystical experiences, it was said that she was able to predict the day of her own death. Yeah. Um, which was, uh, we believe, August 24th, 1617, when she was only 31 years old. Yeah. But her influence didn't end there. That's true. Um, I mean, her funeral you was held in, apparently held in the cathedral and attended by everyone in Lima. All the public authorities, everyone came out for her funeral. Yeah. So. As well, there were known to be miracles around That's her. They were right. they're saying that Lima, the city of Lima was smelling like roses. And then also there were roses falling from the sky. So. Wow. That is, that's amazing. That's amazing. And and she was buried near, I think the same with her friends, right? Oh, that's right. So Martin de Porres, also a saint, yes. and Juan Macias, um, both Dominicans, were um, buried. She was buried with them, I think, in the convent of St. Dominic in, in Lima, correct? Yes. Yeah, her shrine. Yeah. And the... Um, she was beatified not too long after her death, so in 1667, and then canonized in 1671 by Pope Clement X. Yeah, and um, and they said uh, Pope Benedict had a special devotion to her. Pope Benedict XVI, really, who just passed away. I'm not certain why, but um, and then she uh, and then was originally celebrated. So her feast day was initially on August 30th, That's right. but. Because the 24th was a feast was of Bartholomew. Correct, yes. um, But then they moved her feast day closer to the anniversary of her death. So in the U.S., and I think liturgically it's August 23rd. Correct. But Peru and other Latin American countries that revere her. It's like her, a civil holiday, right? In Peru. Yeah, She's 30th. actually, fun fact. Oh, right. Her original feast day is a holiday there. But her image is on the highest denomination of banknote in Peru, which is interesting. Wow. <laughs> so she good. is celebrated there. She's also the patroness of embroiderers, gardeners, florists, those who suffer ridicule, ridicule for their piety, and people who suffer family problems, and of course, Peru. Yeah. And, and I think the Philippines as well. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. And if, you, if you're looking for her in art, she uh, is normally depicted, she has a metal spiked crown. With, with the roses. roses. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I didn't even realize there was a metal crown. I only saw the roses. Oh, her depictions. Yeah. Um, and then also with the iron chain around her waist. Oh. Uh, to, to, I guess, uh, it's, to, to, for, I could be completely wrong, but I think her depiction would be symbolic of penance, but also beauty. Mm, so, that's true. But yeah, it's, it's um, what else can we learn, Lori? Because yeah, she, she's, like we said before, she's very challenging. I, I in some ways had, I mean, I'll admit, I, it's it was a little You're tough for me to understand. You're not ready to don the hair this. shirt and the crown of thorns? No, <laughs> or like, I remember we're talking about the hot peppers and oh, right, that yeah. stuff is on just- On her face. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I get hot peppers on my tongue and then that ruins my month. So I mean, like, <laughs> it's just the- um, 
God bless her. I mean, of course, she's a saint praying for us. But I mean, how can how can sure. we Catholics? Uh, how, how can, can we, we learn yeah. from her? Well, first, I think, um, I guess the biggest difference that people can make in the world is is how they can do that is by giving themselves over radically to the service of God. And she obviously did that. She gave her whole life to him um and was able to she's even i think considered like the originator of social services in peru so her taking in the sick and the poor and those who were in need and caring for them uh they sort of point to her as one of the first people in peru to do that and set the example though you know she was doing it simply she was just in her own little hermitage taking care of the people that she could and then of course today we're very attached to comfort (laughs) so the idea of doing penance would obviously be a little intimidating but even to just take like one step like what's one thing we can do as a penitential practice or one additional time of prayer that we can take every day you know even just small things i don't know that we're all called to be wearing uh metal crowns (laughs) or uh hair shirts or, or doing the penances that she did but um, there are little ways I think that we can imitate her in terms of prayer and penance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you have a prayer? We do. We so I actually on? have the collect for her feast day, which is quite beautiful. Okay. Oh God, you set St. Rose of Lima on fire with your love so that secluded from the world in the austerity of a life of penance, she might give herself to you alone. Grant, we pray that through her intercession, we may tread the paths of life on earth and drink at the stream of your delights in heaven. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. St. Rose of Lima. Pray for us. 